polygamy is real too. So like most like women date across and up social dominance hierarchies and men date across and down. So as men rise up, you have nothing but more options. As women rise up, they have very smaller options. And also a lot of the things that get them to those points negate them the guys that are in the same space they don't want that they don't want it because they're like oh you're combative and yes. like you feel like you need to be a boss and all this other stuff and like you telling you, me what to do right and and, <laughs> and i love you and you know i think you might be great etc for somebody else but you probably need a robin Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Harley Initiated, where real men talk real shit. And we are live today with your boy Tyshawn Jackson and my co-host, Ryan Ketchens. What's poppin', Ryan? What's happening, man? I'm feeling uh, turnt. <laughs> feeling turnt today? Turnt, to say the least, man. I'm very excited to have Phil on the show. He switched it up from the blessed. He switched it up from the blessed. You usually say you blessed every guy. Always episode. blessed, because, you know, I start most of my mornings off with some Lecrae, because, you know, Lecrae, mm-hmm. he, he put out my type of praise music. Mm. You know what I mean? My type of because my relationship with, with with the one up top is it, it's not plain. You know what I mean? There's nothing relaxing about it. It's very excited. It's very turned. So you know, I'm always blessed. But today, in particular, turned. Okay, okay. Yeah. He thug praising over there. He yeah. thug praising. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know your relationship with with, with the one up top, man. It's got to be unique. It's got to fit you. You know what I mean? So we got a very uh, intimate situation going on. So he he knows what's good. Listen, I love it. I love it, man. And look, man, this is going to be a phenomenal episode here because we have a serial entrepreneur in Atlanta's own <laughs> personal finance legend here. I got Philip Karai here in the chair with us today. Phil, how you feeling, baby? Man, I'm feeling great. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here with y'all. It's always a good time when we get together, so it's cool. Yeah. Now some people get some of the gems that we get to share in person on camera, so I'm Right. Super stoked about that. It's power when we link up, man. And we, we very excited to have you on the show. It always is. And, and like I said, I say this on a couple episodes. Yo, this is shit that we talk regularly. Like, right. if I link with Phil, we talking, we building. And I say that every time fellas get together, we should be building in some way, shape, form, or fashion. This time, we're going to catch this shit on camera. Woo, woo. Though, and man, let me tell you, this is an impressive brother, man. I met this brother here. Shout out to the Gathering Spot. Another guest has come from the Gathering Spot. <laughs> and people don't even, I mean, you know, it seems like everybody would know what the Gathering Spot got going on. But, man, it seems like a lot of people really not in tune to the Gathering Spot yet, as, as popular as it is. Yeah, man. It's, it's a wave, though. It's a wave. And I'm blessed to be a part of it because um ran into this brother at an event. I was speaking at an event, um, giving actually a testimony about how we made a million last year. And um, he approached me afterwards and was impressed, and we was we was just close um, ever since. And uh, I could just tell us some things about Phil that I can tell off off the off the rip. Because Phil, first of all, how old are you, brother? Twenty six. Phil is twenty six years old. Young man, young man, a young guy. <laughs> yeah. But I swear, I thought this motherfucker was thirty five. <laughs> like Phil is an old soul, man. He's got like look, he's got like the white button down. You know what I mean? Very conservative. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, Phil looked like he done been through two divorces already I'm and shit. They say the the second wife's always the best one. So. They say I thought it was the third. Mm. Oh dang! All right, well let me find out. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. We but, gonna see. But let me tell you, this guy here, he just he just sharp, you know. And and you know, I, I want to talk about some things that we actually have not had a chance to speak to before. Um, so one thing I, I would never had a chance to ask you, but I'm curious about just seeing how you, your mindset, your upbringing, I never really got a chance to really dig into your background. So talk to me a little bit about your, your family and your upbringing. What, what, what does your family look like? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my parents immigrated from Kenya 30-something-odd years ago. Uh, my dad's an engineer by trade. My mom is a teacher. And also, they both are really big in doing stuff in the community. So one of the things that I learned from the earliest point is, like, not only do you rise, but you rise up by helping others. Mm. And so both of my parents came from, like, destitute poverty. Like, the shit you see in, like, the commercials, like, where it's, like, the starving kids type stuff where you're walking miles to school and don't have access to resources. Like, that's what they grew up in, and that's wow. what they fought to get out of, right? So the first time I went back to Kenya, I was four. And I never, I'll never forget like what it actually looked like to see that and really be like, wow, like if they had to fight to get out of this, there's really no excuse that nothing that I can't do because there mm. was no access to resources. There was no one looking to help you. There was no Pell Grant, no money you can get from Georgia Lottery, which funds Hope Scholarships. So really poverty people like or people that are impoverished actually fund everyone that goes to school because Georgia Lottery is what funds Hope and Zell Miller, which mm. is something else people don't understand, but there isn't access to that. There's no free and reduced lunch. It's either like you have enough, you're either smart enough to be sponsored by the government to make it out or you don't. And that's just it. A lot of people are born in poverty. You die in poverty, right? Yeah. And throughout my experiences, I've been able to like live there. I've lived in South America working in like nonprofits and different stuff. That was a very interesting month because I lived with like no AC, which was quite wow. interesting. I actually lived like in the villages and like really got to see the different stuff. I didn't record too much because I don't believe in poverty porn. But it's really understanding, like, when talking to some people in the village and they were like, if we wish we could have anything, all they wish they could have was opportunity. Mm. That's it. You know what's crazy? That That's so true, man. Because we got some, some virtual assistants that we got working for us in the Philippines. Yeah. And um, I literally asked one of them, uh, this is one of my favorite, right, because she, she's a, a talent guard. She's on our team. And I said, guard, I said, you know, how are you liking all these projects coming in? She literally said, thank God we're busy and we have work. <sighs> And how many people do we know here in the States? They just like, man, I love this job. I don't do shit. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> That's yeah. a fact. They say most people Easy work money. Like 30 to like 50% of the time they're actually at work. But it's like one of the things that I also always remember is like you can't condemn people for things they don't understand. But I think that's also one, like, dissonance between, like, foreigners and people that are here. So they look at a lot of people here as, like, they were wasteful of opportunities, et cetera. But, like, they knew nothing else. So you can't condemn people for that. This is that's where they true. were born. Those are the cards that they were dealt. So you can't be angry at, like, what it was. It's just about, like, moving in with, like, whatever you see as, like, a good life or, like, however you should do stuff. Live your life accordingly because, yeah. That, that's true, man. But I, I was, because um, Joe Olsen says that. He's like, you can't, it's not your job to set everybody straight. But I like to set people straight. I'm in Verizon the other day. Yeah. And I'm dealing with these young ladies who seem to be more interested in, in Instagram than actually helping me with, you know, what I got going on. Yeah. So I'm having a conversation with them about their disengagement and kind of what's going on. And they was like, literally, we just wait here for customers to come in. And I'm like, well, what do y'all do in between time a customer comes in? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we just kind of hang out. I'm like, y'all are robots. <laughs> y'all are literally robots. Like, y'all need to find new employment. Yeah. Like, think about, like, this this service rep. They can't handle issues at the point of sale, so it's not required very much thinking. Everything that they have is pretty much automated. Like, I'm like, yo, y'all need to find some employment that can keep y'all engaged and growing. Because if you're spending, you know, uh, eight to ten hours, this is like, you know, almost half or at least more than half of your day doing something that doesn't uh, develop any skill set. It's like, yo, how can you possibly be happy? You're not growing, developing, or achieving? It just doesn't make sense. I think, unfortunately, in a capitalist society, which we function in, which is great for us that are business owners, because it's real easy to jump socioeconomic classes like nothing, right? However, uh, for stuff like that to really function, there's winners and losers, quote-unquote, right? Mm. And it's like the way that I look at it, even from like biblical times, whatever people believe in, like way back when, there's always going to be people in palaces, villages, and streets. And depending on where you start off, you have the opportunity to move from one to the other and help as many people do the same thing, which is, I think, like what this podcast does, like trying to help people move from here to here 
or from here to here. However, like it is what it is. It, it is like. what it is. Like there's always going to be people in those three different reigns and you really have to decide where do you want to be? Because you talk to most people and you ask them like why they can't achieve or like can't do more stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's just more so excuses. But it's like if you go, I would implore everyone to travel at least one good time. Go and like live in another country and see people that literally don't have options of like how to get out. And you come back with like a fire of like, yo, like. Oh, this is a joke. You lose that sense of entitlement wow. that this that the states can give you. Yes, that sense of entitlement. That was when I when I first um, I went to Mexico this year, and and that was the first thing I was just humbled to see. First of all, everybody in that motherfucker is an entrepreneur. Everybody. I mean, the kid, the, the kid that's like five years old, you know, I'm thinking he's just waving at me, you know, just saying, I'm like, hey, what's going on? The next thing you know, he like handed me a bag of cotton candy. Yeah, dollar, dollar. <laughs> like, shit, this was, a, this was a trap. Right. Right. But, but he's selling. Like, everybody's trying to hustle. Everybody's trying to make it happen because that's yeah. how they survive. That's how they live. The, the mindset is completely different. And, you know, that, that's something I could respect. But bringing it back full circle, man, yeah. like, like even hearing how you grew up. You grew up with a, a dual parent household, correct? I did. Dual parent household. Dad was an engineer. Dad's an engineer, yep. Mom. Uh, teacher, both philanthropist. And here's the fucking product, guys. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, wow. we have a good household. Okay. You have a, a you have a 35-year-old old, 26-year-old. That's what happens yeah. when you have a successful household. So you got I, roles, I, expectations, and you, you got a, a good grooming of, of a young man. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, do you have any uh, siblings as well? I do. I have one older sister who uh, does stuff in the computer com- computer information system space okay. with uh, Emery. And mm. then I have two awesome nephews that I adore like nothing else in this world. So, see, I'm curious because, you know, when I, when I hear this, um, you know, family you come from, yeah. I'm sure they have the expectations they've set on you are just extremely high in that of work and also in that of life especially in that of, you know, the relationships that you will then even bring back to the family. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure even that influences and, you know, has a lot to do with how you evaluate and have set the standards for the women that you can even bring into your fold and into the family. So typically, you know, when you when I'm when you're thinking about a woman that's qualified for you, you know, with the expectations your family has set, I mean, describe what this woman looks like. Uh, for sure. So it's funny. When I was 14 or 15, my mom gave me a potential mate checklist. She's like, if a woman doesn't meet seven out of 10 of these criteria, don't even bring her by me. What you said. Hold on. <laughs> That's crazy. Hold on. Let's just you said 14, round up the fucking applause for that. 14 to 15, your mom came through with the list. Yep. I still have that list somewhere in the safe, but I have a picture of it somewhere. But she's like, if a woman doesn't meet seven out of 10 of these things, I don't even want to be introduced. You can bring her as a friend, but... I wouldn't want her like. You know, Do you remember this list? I have it on my phone somewhere. Uh, <laughs> we we should have talked. Listen, we should have knew that before the show. If you can pull out that list, that's crazy as hell. Okay. And what, I, what, I, what I rock with with your mom is not only did she introduce that list to you, because you know you gotta you know record what you want. Like recordation yeah. is a real thing, but she also said seven out of ten because mm-hmm. you're not gonna find that ten out of ten because because. Mm. Everybody at some point is working on different things and developing in different areas. So it's no way. I mean, if you're not perfect, Agreed. how can you expect to find a perfect mate? So your mom was a G. No, for sure. And, and I think when, when looking for, for partners, I think it kind of depends on, like, what kind of space that you're in. I mean, for all of us, like, we're running multiple companies, like, doing different stuff. We're on the move, like, left and right. We have a lot of exposure, access, et cetera, right? I like how you said that all of us are running multiple <laughs> companies, and that is a fact. That is a fact. I want to dive deep into that, dive deep into everything that you're doing, too, in yeah. a bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, but really, when finding partners, I think a lot of it just comes with, like, where can we have synergy, right? Where can there be synergy? Where can you not take away from the other things that I'm focusing on? Because for a lot of us, unfortunately, it's just a hard reality if we don't have timelines. 
as men that have not only seen success early, but are only going to achieve more and more success, if we decide to slow down and stop at 50, it means absolutely nothing. Or start to go on at 50. Correct. You know, and, it, and when I tell people that I'm looking to have a kid at 40, you know, between 40 and 45, they're like, no way. You're going to be an old dad. I'm like, yo, you tripping. Right, because <laughs> I'm setting myself up. I mean, that's what I tell people all the time. I would love to be a stay-at-home dad, but I'm going to make sure all my businesses are automated and making plenty of money. My wife wants to go to work. She can. If she doesn't want to go to work, that's cool, too. But I want to be present with my kids because I see too often people are like, oh, like I got to hustle and grind so that like my kids can have stuff. Your kids don't give a damn about the money. They care about how much time you're able to spend with them, how present you're allowed to be with them and that's man, different yeah that, that's so true too man when i think about my mom growing up you know what i mean i think she was literally trying to get me every single thing that i wanted like that was her goal and now when i look back on it i'm like she don't got no savings she don't got no retirement plan and so now all of those things that she did for me you know making sure i had my best life is like yeah. she wasn't really living the life yeah so now you come into a situation where she she's calling me you know multiple times a week just out of sheer boredom you know what I mean? And the things that she's stressing about is like really, really tragic when you talk about just literally getting older in the workforce. Like, yes, I understand you got this college degree. You can do all these things. But this person is 22. Yeah. <laughs> like you can literally get left behind in that. So, you know, when, when, when you're talking about, um, you, you know, parents giving to the, giving to their kids, it's like it's, it's a certain threshold. Like yeah. kids care about the love and the time, not all the things that you can afford them. You know, that's super real. One of the other things, like, so my parents, I, for the longest, I actually thought we were pretty poor because my parents lived super under the radar, like <laughs> ridiculously low. Like the first time when I filled up fast to go to college was the first time I found out how much money they made combined. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, how? Like, there's no way. Like, because if I wanted something for like 20 bucks, it would be like a whole lengthy discussion as far as like anything. And that's one of the reasons that I really got into hustling at an early age. When mm. I was in elementary school, my allowance used to be like, I think it was like $5 a week or $5 every two weeks. When you go to Walmart, I would go and buy like the, the packs of airheads, the little mini ones, and then I'd go sell them at school. So I'd sell them for like uh, 25 cents a piece or like five for a dollar. And then I'd flip it, do that, go buy more, et cetera. And then I got into like flipping sneakers and like video games and like other stuff. So entrepreneurship started way early, but I'm really thankful that they put that like piece in me of like, yo, like you still gotta be hungry. Like mm -hmm. we can give it to you, but like, nah, like you gotta go earn it or you gotta have a good reasoning behind like why you actually want it. If it wasn't like school related, there was, it wasn't getting funded. I had to find ways to do it. So I started working, even my first job when I worked at Kroger, as soon as I turned 16. Because so I was like, no, nah, I'm going to find a way to make some money. Like, so you've been getting money. Oh, yeah, facts. Before yeah. getting, been money, getting, getting money. money. As a matter of fact, listen, I, I can tell this is going to be a good episode because I asked this guy a question 10 minutes ago. He didn't even fucking answer my question. So I'm going to bring it forward. I'm going to bring it right back. Okay? Bring it back. Bring it so back. So I, I want to know with that because you, you can't. it came from that 7 out of 10 list. Your mom gave it to you because yeah. we're talking about the kind of woman they expect you to bring into the family, into the yeah. fold, right? Mm -hmm. So. I, we don't, we do, you don't have the list known by heart. That's cool, right? But your own personal standard at this point that you've set, give me some major qualities or some things, some must-haves on your list. Definitely more than anything, someone that's passionate about what they do, right? right. Because the same way you're talking about how you went to Verizon and these people are like, oh, I ain't got nothing to do for, you know, however many hours. It's like being on top of something that you actually enjoy doing because it gives you a reason to wake up in the morning, right? right. I don't want to be the reason you wake up in the morning. Mm. I don't. Like, <laughs> I do not. Like, I want there to be something bigger. If you help me with, like, a bigger, like, vision or, like, goal or something else, like, cool, because it's something that's shared. But, like, the sake of, because a lot of people, you know, you want, they want to live a life of, quote, unquote, leisure. And everyone talks about, like, passive income so hard, right? They it's do. like, when you're young, yo, active income is what you got to do. Yep. You, you have the time and the energy to do everything and make the money. Plus, if you're like, all right, you want to make $70,000 a year. So, safely, let's just say you're going to buy, uh, take the 4% rule, right? So <laughs> most people say, like, all right, whatever amount of money you have, you, you make 8% a year, you know, let's say S&P index 
fund, whatever, right? If you spend 4% of that, you'll always be straight, right? So let's just say they wanted to make about $70,000 a year. You'd need a boat ton of money. If you were getting 10% straight back, you'd need 700000 If you're talking about making just 5% of that, you need 1.4. Wow. 1.4 million sitting for you to sit on your behind and make 70000 Are you willing to work to get that? So <laughs> passive Yo, income. Just brought, that shit went over my no, head. That, I'm going to be honest no, with you. I don't no, know what the hell is going I, on. I, I, right I, I stay with it. It, it, may, it makes sense. But, you know, you're, you're right about that because now when I hear people talk about passive income, mm-hmm. it started from this place of, you know, wanting to be ambitious and grow. But now when I'm hearing people talk about it now, it's like it's almost a people. Some, somebody is. No, it's really them. People really being lazy as fuck and saying, I want something for nothing like i want to i want to sit on my ass and i want money to come in yep. now for, i mean at its essence that's you know what passive income is right but the the to go ahead and put yourself in a position to have passive income you were active than a motherfucker right facts like wow. you you were busy you were learning you were moving you were shaking failing you were failing risking risking it's so many things that were being done before that happens, and I think that's the that that's the part we're missing here. We just want to get to the passive income. It's, uh, that's I guess that's the microwave society we live in now. Yeah. So, you, so, so you're looking for a woman with some passion. Woman with some passion. Of like course, that. someone that's easy on the eyes. Of course, you want someone that's attractive. Like, I mean, men were visual creatures, right? So you want someone that's well kept, can take care of themselves, is well spoken. Because in a lot of the rooms we go into, we know how it goes, and it's great to have another set of eyes. Mm. And depending on whether they're the person that can also work the room with you, or just be, you know, someone else is great on your arm that ain't going to embarrass you, which is the first and foremost thing. That's also great, right? So someone that has intelligence about them, but understands that, like there's so many different types of intelligence, right? It is. It's too often I think people lead in feeling like oh because. I, and I see this a lot, not only with but men and women, but people think because they have degrees and stuff that you understand stuff. But a lot of degrees, and this is me speaking from a point of, I have multiple degrees and I've been a professor at a university. <laughs> and a lot of people lead with the point of like, oh, like, like, because I have this, like, I understand this, that, and they're like, a lot of degrees are theory, not practice. I agree. <laughs> it, has, it, has, it has little to do with understanding. Correct. Well, I, I want to talk to you more about the, the the attractiveness piece with your woman. Yeah. So now, from you know, it's, it's this um this quote I just seen on uh, Instagram was a, a few weeks ago. It said that the body is the new face. Mm. So let me ask you: When you evaluate a woman, <laughs> <laughs> what are you checking out first? Is it body or face. is it face? Definitely face, <laughs> really man. Face. Oh yeah. Mm. I mean, of course, you want someone that takes care of themselves, right? Because that's going to show like from a longevity standpoint. Because we're young, so we're I mean, we can date young, old, whatever. But for the most part, you want someone that's taking care of their body, but also you want a pretty face to look like. I mean, butter face, right? Like, <laughs> nobody wants that. Like, well, I mean, if you got a pretty in shape chick, I think at a minimum, I think if a chick is really in shape, yeah. I think at a minimum, she she's a seven. Depending on the face, I feel you like that. Like, really? Really? I think it's automatic. Straight, straight up, I think it's automatic. Like, I mean, she would have to have like a pretty, like, fugly face <laughs> not to make a seven. <laughs> But if you got a nice body, you fit, you know what I'm saying? Thick, you know what I mean? I, well, you know, seven. I feel it, man. But makeup is also super deceiving. So it's like, what do you look like when you get out the shower type thing? There's some true like, Decepticons out there. I would nah, agree that's for sure. No, Take it is. Sh- shower on the first day. Now, now uh, fitness, see, the, the, the biggest thing. shower of- on the first date. <laughs> or oh. swimming. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's a good idea. Go take a bath. <laughs> Yo, fitness is like, see, with me, I, I really value, you know, women that, you know, value their fitness because, it just says so much more about just you being in shape. Yeah. It mm-hmm. says it tells me a lot about what you what you value from a diet perspective, what you put into your body, your routines, maybe some people that you hang with, they're probably also gonna be in shape, right? Yep. Like it, it tells me so much about you, you know, with that one aspect. So as over the past, you know, few I would say really over this past year, that has become 
Like, especially as that's become very important to my life too, right? Bro, that shit is ultra important. Ultra, yeah, ultra important. important. It's like, because that determines what, what I'm going to put in my body. I mean, Not as fact. If, yeah. if I'm with you, you eating cake and shit all the time and, you know, a bunch of biscuits and, and, and bre- uh, bread at every meal. Like, you know. It's, it's, it's a matter of time. It's a matter it of time. It is a matter of time. But de- depreciating asset. That point about diet is so big, though. And I think that would be something else that's tied into my list. Like, what does your diet consist of? And it's not necessarily just food, because diet is what you look at, what you listen to, mm. like the things that you yes. allot within your space. And so people always think it's about what you put in your mouth, but it's so much more, because it impacts like how you think, how you see the world, how you interact with other people, et cetera. And then also, like, I think I used to be way more of an optimist. Uh, one of my mentors used to tell me I see life through rose-colored glasses. Now I find myself somewhere between optimism and realism, right? Mm. But someone that has that kind of perspective of like, all right, you know what I can do? Like, whatever it is I want to do. And that's something else that I'm really thankful for, like, my parents. Because, like, they, well, since I was a kid, it was always like, you can do anything you put your mind to if you work hard enough. Mm. And that's something that can change the way that, like, kids look at the world, the way that they look at life. Because they don't see things as barriers or stuff that I can't do. It's like, I can do anything if I work hard enough. Now we understand the game a little more. You got to work smart, too. Mm, right. And understanding, like, all right, maybe I need, you know, some folks from the Philippines, onlinejobs.ph, yep, yep, <laughs> to go and yep. get some work done, et cetera, because I don't have all the time to do X, Y, and Z. And the people that work the hardest don't always make the most amount of money. I mean, A students work for C students. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. So you, you got a lot. Mm. Of, I mean, I like this list you got. So, so far, we got passion. We got beauty. We got intelligence. I want to hear more about these variations of intelligence that you talk about. Oh, yeah. So it's like just depending on the type of business and stuff that you do, like you can understand so much. I mean, like you can have a certain intelligence. We were talking about sports, right? That's a whole intelligence in itself Mm -hmm. for your body to be able to move and like do stuff and communicate with how you do X, Y and Z. Even like being able to do numbers and like the way we were just talking about, like taking four percent of this, like understanding like all these different aspects that can go into what kind of intelligence you have. There isn't just one. And I think the phrase is like uh of course, anyone would think that they're dumb if you're, like, asking a tree how to fly. Mm. Like, so we're asking so many people, like, all right, you know, like, what's your GPA? And, like, what's this? And it's just, like, that isn't really a measurement. That's a measurement oftentimes of, like, how easy your teacher was. Because mm. I met a bunch of people, like, I That's remember. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> That's a it, was, fact. it was one microbio class uh, that I did in undergrad. And I remember people talking about everybody wanted this one teacher. Because even if you got a, to get an A in his class, you averaged a 35% on your exams. And they'd be 100 questions and multiple choice. So you can really just shoot the shit and guess random stuff. I still would probably fail that. <laughs> I was never good at tests. <laughs> but the likelihood of that in comparison to someone that has a 100-question test where it's like each one is graded and there's no curve. And that's all dependent on who the teacher I mean, when I was a professor, one of my things was I used to tell my students, all right, if you turn it in on time, you get an A with your homework. That's it. Take that time to go and focus on your exams. And on your quizzes, because that's where the bigger thing is. If you decide to screw off and be like, oh, you know what, like, I'm just going to turn BS in. I'm not going to actually do the work. When you take those quizzes and those exams, you'll still fail my class. Quick. So, Yo, are, are you blown away by this shit? Like, he, he's really like a 26-year-old What was a professor. At Georgia State. I was, yeah. So, so let, let's talk about this shit, too, because okay. the thing about it is, me personally, I have some pretty non-traditional views in general. And mm-hmm. one of them is that, I, I, of course, I have my bachelor's degree as well in mm-hmm. business. And I didn't really get a, a, a real education in business until I got out of business school, 
right? So the thing about it is, I honestly believe that I would have been set further ahead Mm-hmm. If I just had just skipped that whole fucking experience and got into the real world, because my problem with school yeah. is that I feel like it gives kids this false way to evaluate themselves. It's like a fake world. That's why guys get caught up in it and they don't want to get out of it, because in this real capitalistic society, the way women gauge you right as, as a man, the way you attract women is based on your social status, based on the economics, you can what you can provide the resource aspect. That's not the case in school. It's about your relationships. It's about your associations. It's about your status in this you know very fake way and that's why guys when they achieve that too those guys you know they they don't want to leave that world because they can you know they're the man and at the top of this hierarchy yeah and are evaluating them as you know themselves to be this alpha per se in this world where when you step into the real world that that's not really true yeah so the thing about it is you know personally you are a professor in, in the you know uh, you know, at a at a university. So, do you really believe that the education that that you know the the universities provide? Do you feel like it's it's true and valid to the end result or the growth, um, you know, of 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 the students? I say for the two classes I got to teach. So, I taught business analysis, which is like a managerial science class, uh, teaching how to do different stuff in Excel. Then I got to teach first semester experience, um, and both of those I thought were super critical, right? And it's funny, I was actually playing basketball uh, like two weeks ago, <laughs> and this dude stopped me. He was just like, I know you from somewhere. He's like, where are you from? Like, and so we're going through all these lists of da 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 And he's like, dude, he's like, you are my professor. Like, oh, shit. Like, da 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 It's like, right. oh, that's what's up. He's like, the stuff you taught me in class helped me get my first job. And wow. stuff like that is like, oh, like, that's lit. Like, that's really, really nice. Because <laughs> that's some really, like, it's, you know, making profit models and, like, analyzing businesses, doing, like, financial forecasting stuff like that so like it's useful no matter like what kind of stuff you go into if you're going into business anyways that's super useful then like first semester experience was literally like I got the freshmen like as they were starting right so of course one of the things that I noticed um (laughs) one of the reasons I also got into teaching one of my clients was a PhD at uh, Georgia State right was helping her with some finance stuff she hits me up and's like hey look we're supposed to be doing financial literacy. You're way better at this than I am. How would you like to come and teach uh, my course? Because I have something else I need to do anyways. Wait, so your teacher said that you were better than her? One of my clients who was a PhD. Clients, okay, yeah, one you, of my clients you. was a PhD that was also teaching at Georgia State at wow. the time. And so I go to teach, and they have to send someone from the Robinson College of Business to, like, come and shadow because, like, they had never seen me. I'd done, like, a hand. I did a lot of events, like, around financial literacy stuff, but I'm taking over a class. Mm-hmm. So they sent someone to sit in. And so... Did it. Uh, love Miss Chin. Shout out to her if she ever sees this. Uh, <laughs> super sweet hey, lady. Maybe she will. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's a titan and like a bunch of other stuff too anyways. Okay. But she was like, yo, like after we finished like the two courses, she was like, you're really, really great at like teaching. She was like, what do you think about like teaching doing X, Y, and Z? And I was like, huh. Okay. That would be pretty fun. Like as a consultant, <laughs> I'm just a glorified teacher anyways, except right. for I'm dealing with people one-on-one rather than like on a class style. Um, but that's how I fell into teaching. But first semester experience, I realized they had one week. This is, you get one week in entire entirety of college where they teach you anything about finances. And it's two one-hour classes. And unless you have a teacher that actually knows what the hell they're talking about, what are you really learning? Some BS about budgeting and housing and X, Y, and Z. So what I did for my students when they came, like, they had to go through, they had to design budgets. <laughs> Not only that, like, if they didn't have credit, they had to apply and get their first student credit card and understand you use this like a debit card. And nothing else. This is not extra money you have to spend. 
See, I didn't know about any of that shit coming up. Me neither. Like, <laughs> I mean, in fact, I mean, because you're a personal finance guru, you yeah. know, and um, Tyshawn, we, we can tell you, you know, this is not the first, this year is not the first year we done ran up a million. You know, we did it with my partner who was running his startup. We did it as, together as a business. But we had a year last year where we literally ran up a million bucks and we spent, what, 900,000 bucks? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> All of it. Yeah. It was crazy. Like, we was like, bro, literally, yeah. P&L, say, like, you made 1.2 million. Our, we was broke, bro. I was broke. He was broke. Couldn't do shit. And we really couldn't figure it out. Like we, And that was the personal finance piece. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about that. Like, you know, um, I guess I'm bachelor pad economics. Like, as a, a young single man in Atlanta, in the U.S., anywhere, what are the three biggest financial pieces that you say that, you know, you need to be, be hip to? Number one would be credit. Uh, first and foremost, uh, not even from like a business, like you can arbitrage to make money like in that, but just understanding like the importance of it. Cause credit is nothing more outside of like, how responsible are you with other people's money? So whether you're trying to go and get a new car because something happens or you're trying to go get a lease for a place, et cetera, that's what they're analyzing to be like, are you worth extending this? Cause the banks don't care about what you got going on and that you need a car, that you need to live somewhere. They care about what's at risk. They love that shit too. They, <laughs> love, they love seeing what you do with other people's money. Correct. Yeah. That's it. Um, outside of that, it'd be like managing personal finances, right? So like we were talking about, has nothing to do with what you make, everything to do with what you keep. Everything. Everything. So and when you say managing personal finances, like is, is that just budgeting? Is it like a certain uh, expenditures? Like what, what is it? Exactly? I would definitely say budgeting and understanding like what you want. Um, and that would tie into my third piece as far as understanding what your goals are. Because I feel like once you understand your goals, you get how you need to move. But I feel like a lot of people operate in a gray space because they don't have any like real ideas of like, all right, bet, like, because you are like, hey, look, we need to save a million dollars to do the next deal. Those years you're making a million dollars, you putting two fifty away and being like, hey, I can get that done in four years. But we know we need to put this aside because we can make that income and we can rent it up and do it again and again. But understanding what your vision and your goals are. So it really helps fine tune like what you actually want to do with your money. That's my favorite one that you said, because we had the credit. The credit shit was on deck. We yeah. started the business with a $16,000 credit card. <laughs> my credit was pristine. Tyshawn's credit was pretty pristine. But that gold piece, we didn't understand that. And, like, when we were really looking at this, like, we came to the end of the year. We was like, yo, why are we still fucking broke? Yep. And what, what it was is we didn't know what we wanted from that business. But, you know, mm-hmm. but, no, but no, here's the thing. I think, I think well, well, see, we did set goals, but we only set them. The problem was we only set them in the short term. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, like, actually, our goal was to run up a million dollars in a year. Yep. So, actually, we did hit the goal. Yes. <laughs> now, the problem was we didn't have any, we had no fucking profitability goal. Nope. We didn't have no goal or what we wanted to do with any excess. It was nothing after that. Yep. It was nothing after that. So, it was, you know, we could have, you know, fucked it off the whole way, but, and technically, was still successful. Right. Right. But, you know, I was talking to Ryan about this the other day. It's, it's like, you know, I was, we kick ourselves at the end of the year, like, like God damn, are we still broke? We run up a million, like, God damn. But, you know, the beauty of it is, it's like, this is the ascension, this is the journey, you know, of, of learning and, and figuring out, you know, yourself and just the game in general, because I, I, I told him, like, yeah, yeah, we, we, we probably just as broke as some of these other guys, but the truth is, we got some re- really different problems. I probably, <laughs> we spent $950,000 this year. Bro, that's a fucking problem. Listen, that's something, I, that's a problem I'd like to have, God damn it. Right. That, that's true. Though, because cause you can fix that shit. But we were seeing, bro, we were seeing cats that we was doing circles around their business. They got Range Rovers, Porsches, fucking Mozzies. You know what I mean? Like now they could be broke too. Now don't they? very <laughs> true. But they now squeeze let's, let's out of that shit. They squeeze enough out of that shit to get the Mozzie though. <laughs> I, I'm still driving my my fucking 2015 Hyundai Sonata. 
Hey, look. And we had and we had a, a multi million dollar business. That's, that's, that's true. Dope. Hey, I you feel know? like there's always those two those two schools of thought, and just depending because like uh, so like there's a black Porsche club here in Atlanta, right? That I've been a part of for a while. And this dude, what the fuck? Slayer. <laughs> this dude is just cool as fuck. The Black Porsche Club. I yeah. never heard of it. Cause yeah, that's because you don't have a fucking show. Porsche, bro. Yeah. Let's join the Black Hyundai Sonata Club. Right. <laughs> First, I'm the million, million fucking black Americans in that shit. <laughs> so we got about like 80 members in there, right? Exclusive. And, and majority of them are like older people that have grown businesses, done whatever. But for them, majority of them have like five to ten supercars. Mm. Yes, five to ten. Yes, that's just you. Just have money to spend. Correct. Like you got R8s. Like you have Ferraris. You have multiple Porsches, etc. And the dope thing about it, like, because I was the youngest member uh, of the Atlanta crew, one of the other things was <laughs> for everyone they bought their Porsche at one of like three stages of life: twenty one, twenty four, or retirement. Mm. Interesting. Either early or late. Yeah, and no. it was nuts. I talked to a handful of people, and I bought mine at twenty four too. And it was so interesting of just, like, that's how that was. But the dope thing about spaces like that is, like, they're willing to put you on game because mm-hmm. they get how you're moving. And they're like, yeah. oh, you need to learn how to do whatever because, you know, we, we all do different stuff in real estate, whatever. But my first development deal was actually with another real estate investor I met through the Black Porsche Club. And he's like, wow. oh, man, let me show you how to do X, Y, and Z. Let me actually, like, when stuff needs to go through the city, et cetera, it's coming to you. I'm sending the invoices to you because I'm going to show you how this process actually works. That's crazy as hell. Yeah, <laughs> that's some boss, boss level shit. Like you really took networking to the next level. Mm-hmm. Like twenty one, twenty four, a retirement. Retirement. That was the majority. I'm so Ryan. You got to wait about forty years till you get your voice <laughs> again. <laughs> I just turned thirty three for context. For context, just turned thirty three. Yeah. Anyway, listen. That's wild. So I told you I wanted to talk about some bachelor pad economics because we got a lot of single guys out there, you know, who are spending money frivolously, wanting to date, wanting to do different things, mm-hmm. and they just kind of don't know what's going on. So for context, first of all, if I ask you this question, yep. are you in a relationship or are you single? Single. Okay. So according single. to my tax returns. Okay. Good. good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's clap it up for the brother too, right? <laughs> He understands. <laughs> right. He understands. Hey, Phil, Phil is all the way in the game. So, so Phil, I want to talk about, yeah. for a bit, dating in Atlanta. Yep. So what does a first date look like, or what should a first date look like from a financial perspective? Mm. Whatever you have budgeted for and are comfortable spending. Um, we were talking a little bit about that earlier, and I was like, the restaurants that like, I choose to go to if I'm going on a date, et cetera, it's restaurants that I would go to if I was taking y'all out to dinner. If I was taking my family out to dinner, if I'm taking a mentor out to dinner, whatever, it's because that's the kind of places that I go. I'm not going to be like, oh, I need to go over the top and spend. I can spend. But we went out that one day um, for um, Pasha. For Pasha, for old boy's birthday, right? Oh, I heard about that. I was prepared to actually, <laughs> I even went to Phil because I saw what was happening there and I said, hey, Phil, like, what do you need me to do here? Cause I can see that this shit's going to pile up a bit here. Bro, I heard about that shit. It, it, Tyshawn I was like, nervous for Phil because I see this shit happening live. I'm like, hey, Phil, look, I got you. I'm your buddy. Yeah. I'm your buddy. <laughs> okay. He told me. He told me. He was like, Ryan, you know, we was having a good time. It was beautiful women in there. But he was like, people just kept coming. People just kept coming. He was like, I literally seen a tab, uh, like, go ching, 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 ching. <laughs> so you, I mean, but but I, I would figure that's probably not a place that you want to take a homeboy. You're probably taking a homeboy to, you know, I don't know, Waffle House or something. Like, nah. Like, yeah, personally, not. <laughs> This is a different kind of situation. Philip, please, please continue. Yeah, what, 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 what do so people the, drop portion? Where do they take their friends? <laughs> it depends. So, like, anyway, like, you know, price points for a lot of dinner stuff, it may be like, uh, maybe like 25 to like $55, depending on most places. But I mean, you can get to some places like the New York Prime, the Bones, where you're spending 
hundred, two hundred just for like courses outside anything else. But that particular night, it was it was more so investing in a relationship. It was because it was a another friend of mine who was moving to Atlanta, and he was like, he wanted to have a good time, go do whatever. So I was like, oh, dude, like, come on, like it's it's a drop in a bucket. Like maybe I might have spent like like two grand. It was about two grand. It was about two, two grand. Two grand in a relationship. I like that's a cheap relationship, actually. It is. Yeah, it, right? it's, it's a more expensive relationship out there. It's a it's a lot more. People spending 10, 25. We spent twenty five grand on a coaching program and a, and a great relationship. And, yeah. and and I mean two grand relative. She, she, yes. she didn't come with dinner either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So invest in the relationships. Invest in the people because like money isn't anything but energy, right? So it just comes back around like as you place it in the right places. I mean, even we were talking about that, that uh, <laughs> some of the grants that they were putting out, et cetera, et cetera. Another lady who used to work with me, like my first job was at Kroger. I was like a bag boy, right? So, well, not my first job. My first official job that I got right. like, you know. That was W-2, so to speak. That was W-2, right? right. Um, I was pushing buggies in the heat, et cetera. I tell people <laughs> that's real slavery. Like, I've never cleaned. Like, that's why I had that video that went viral on TikTok of me cleaning up at Airbnb where people, like, there was dog shit. And I have a no dog rule. <laughs> there was dog shit and, like. Part of it, like, they clogged up, like, one of the damn sinks, like, a bunch of other stuff, et cetera. But, like, at Kroger, dude, them bathrooms, that wasn't nothing. Like, oh, the Airbnb yeah. stuff that I was dealing with. So, people were like, you know, you're willing to roll up your sleeves and do whatever. It's like, man, like, as a boss, you got to. You got, got to. What you mean? Like, I didn't have another cleaner to come, and I had another guest checking in that day. On top of that, they broke the bed. The mm. damn bed frame was broke. Oh, like, Oversmashing. Somebody was going <laughs> to oversmash. <laughs> and I had Slayer. someone coming like Oh, that was your that, that was your Airbnb? It was my Airbnb. <laughs> my bad, bro. My bad. Slayer. <laughs> Five hours later, I had someone that was supposed to be coming in checking in, and the mm. bed is freaking broke, right? So what do I do? Mm. Beauty of like having a dad that taught me how to do God knows how many things with my hands, right? So I was like, oh, this is just about weight distribution because it's like it's one side that's like falling down and they'll only be here for the weekend. So what did I do? You know, the little like stepping pads that like people buy like to step to yeah. people that are short, etc. Got a couple of those, put them under the side that so was, was gone down, me. made sure that it made sense, you know, bounced on a little bit and it was good. And Five star review. And then you put a sign up, right? It says <laughs> couch only. <laughs> Slay on couch. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, it's fine. They can put all the weight on it because I made sure that it was evenly distributed. I had like three of them like lined up on the bottom, so you couldn't tell the difference. And then as mm. soon as they left, I fixed it. Again, shout out to active fathers, <laughs> goddamn. Yeah. I mean, they come in handy at so many different points in life. It is absolutely ridiculous. Dad, now, a, a, a BBW is getting slayed in my bed. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> so you just take yeah. some take some towels and you just put it right on there. It'll be all good to go. Thanks, Dad. Right. So let's talk about this because yeah. I have a different philosophy on dating. Okay. Because I actually, regardless of, you know, your, you know, your lifestyle or where you would want to take a woman, I actually believe that you should probably cap the first date, like me personally. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I say that is because of precedence. Capping what sense? You mean like on the kind of restaurants that you go on, to, et cetera? Or the, just the, uh, from a financial perspective. Okay. Like, you, I, I don't believe for fellas, for, for, and I'm talking to my everyday fellas out here, okay? Not, not the big ballers <laughs> out here, okay? I don't believe Phillip's, you know, uh, strategy is scalable, all right? <laughs> for, I would for all guys. <laughs> because, see, precedence is very important when it comes to dating. Because yep. when you present a woman... A situation or an experience she expects that almost becomes your brand it almost becomes an expectation we just talked about the sense of entitlement yeah. that we have here in the states and yeah. you know women come with that especially beautiful women yeah they oh man they, they definitely have that level of entitlement built in them sure. so 
I absolutely recommend, guys, if you can cap it at no more than 50 bucks on the first date, I mean, that honestly will be healthy. But understand, this guy here is pretty much just saying, yo, this is how I live. You about to live how I live. Right. And he living but, a lot different. <laughs> right. As long as it's congruent with what you would typically do. And you're budgeting. And, you're and budgeting. so it's like you literally have to allocate how much money you're willing to spend on that. So if you're spending 100 Easily $150 at a lot of restaurants. And it can happen easy. Oh, yeah, easy. Drink some like, food. Right. That right. should be something that you are comfortable doing and something you would do with your friends, you would do with your family, not because you're trying to show off or whatever. I wouldn't spend the way we spend that money, um, I spent that money at Pasha. I wouldn't do it on a date. What do I look like? No, That's like I, I can afford to, but yeah. it's like, why would I do that? I have no reason to do that. I'm going to these restaurants because I like the ambiance. I like where it is. Like. It's nice, but that's just that. It's not something like that. Is just like I don't fucking know you. Like, why would I invest this kind of money in you? You know, I, me, right. me personally, I'm, I'm I'm with Tyshawn on this. I'm yeah. matter of fact, I'm keeping it less than I'm keeping it less than twenty bucks. I'm I'm doing a walk. Like, hey, me, oh nice, a, me, let's me get some ice cream guy. type thing. I'm that works too. You, I'm a very big chemistry guy, and mm-hmm. I realize that you know you, you just can't be throwing your energies around to these different people without actually getting to know them. Agreed. So the first thing I want to do is have a good conversation with you, and I want to walk. Like, yeah. I want to see if you're running out of breath if we walk in a couple times. <laughs> Like if you complaining and shit like that, and we walking, it's like yo, I'm very physically active. I already know from the first day you do not qualify. See, the problem is for winter that gets tricky, right? I mean that's because I'm a, I'm a big outdoors guy too for my that's dates. True. Yeah. But that's just like some seasonal shit because I mean either you're not dating in winter or you just got this chick out there fucking freezing, <laughs> and that is just the the easiest way to keep her uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean Georgia winter, Georgia winter, you're gonna get one day out. Of, you're gonna get one day out of every week that's at least sixty degrees. That's so right. I mean, you, you're gonna be able to make it happen. So you better plan it on that one day. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee shop got indoors too. You know, I want to have an escape strategy. You know yeah. what I mean? If I'm not having a good time and I spend 30 minutes with you, I want to be able to say, hey, I want to go do something else. Now, if you, well, I wouldn't say that. I would just say, hey, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you have every right to, though. Right. Like, it is your time, your energy, like everything that goes Absolutely. along with that. And you can be super economic. That's why I'm saying plan inside the confines of your budget because you can definitely do great dates for 20 bucks. You don't have to spend $200 to enjoy yourself or do whatever. There's plenty of free stuff. Pick a free day when Bank of America pays for museums because you have their debit card, stuff like mm. that. And then you can just go, you know, grab a drink, grab some ice cream, like walk around the belt line, do whatever. Like whatever. You do not have to spend a bunch of money to do anything because it's more about the people, right? And you got to realize, are you trying to spend time or are you trying to invest time with people? And I think that's a, another huge part is like intentionality as far as like if you're dating, what you're doing and like whether you're looking for a relationship, or you're just looking for one-offs or you're looking for... People will be on roll call for whatever. You just got to be real intentional. That's a bar. And straight up. That's like a bar. what that is. Like, people even, oper- but see, like you said, the intention is very important. Yep. But a lot of guys go out and they date and they date and dating for pussy. Mm-hmm. So the way that they, they, they think like, hey, if I can spend this amount of money, if I can spend this many amount of dates, I can right. get to this pussy a lot faster. Right. But that, that doesn't work for women. It, it literally it, it, doesn't. It reeks off of you. Facts. So it's like there, there's the same thing. There's people that have to wait 90 days. There's people to get the same night. And it just depends on you. It just depends on you and how mm-hmm. you move. Are For you sure. looking to spend time with the woman? Or invest. Or invest time? God damn it. Hold on. God damn it. <laughs> we dropping keys. We going we we to have to cut that one and put that. That's going to be on Instagram for sure. I, I want to talk more uh, bachelor pad economics, though, because yep. this is one of the biggest things. And, and Ty Sean was one of the first people that I heard push this, and I began to adopt it. And that's telling young men that they need to move out on their own as soon as fucking possible. So you being a 26-year-old successful man, I'm, I'm very curious. What, what is your mindset? When should a man move out on his own? When you're financially ready, unfortunately, I think in communities that look like ours, too often people are getting pushed out of their house too fast and they're mm. not ready. They don't understand the same way we're talking about personal finances, budgeting, like credit, like 
you're not ready to take on some of those responsibilities. In some of the cases, people will rise up and figure out what they need to do. But in most cases, they crumble because mm. especially guys that look like us, there's a lot of people feel the weight of the world on their shoulders right. as far as like, I need to perform, I need to do. Then now social media is not making it any easier. So you feel like, oh, right. shit, like I, I need to be shit. making $100,000 a year, like really, really quick and not understand there's such a minority of people that even have the capability to make that kind of money. Right. All these people talking about they make six figures are capping because <laughs> there's no way there's that many people that are like doing it. Atlanta's a little weird because... We're like a black mecca of so much greatness. I would agree with that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but in general, I'm right. same, it's tough. same sentiment. Yeah. It, it is. is tough. So I feel like once you're financially like in a place where you can afford to do so, you should. And, and straight up, like from, from African like standpoints, you can live at home till you're 35. I bought into my first property before I moved out. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you yeah. had a plan. You know, yeah. if you got a plan and you put the work the in, that thing. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I do the same thing. Because it's like, yo, like, you really need to make sure you're setting yourself up not to struggle, but to succeed. Right. And if you don't understand what that looks like, and a lot of people be like, I actually just had a young dude I was talking to uh, a couple weeks ago, and he was like, yo, like, I'm trying to get out of my house. Like, now he's 17. I'm just like, all right, like, you know, how much you making? You're making, like, eight bucks an hour. Mm. Dude, you're going to struggle like hell. Yeah. And you are <laughs> going to struggle like hell. I mean, Can't go, save shit. Facts. Right. It's like, you're literally just going to be working to pay the bills. And you at least want to get to a point, if you're making, like, 20, maybe 25 an hour, which you can do at a warehouse job or Working at different stuff. You can easily do that. At least you can make a 40K a year. You can afford to live life a little bit easier. You might need to go live in East Point or outside the perimeter, et cetera. Outside the perimeter. Then that's okay. Right. You can can spend the $900 to $1,000. You still have leeway every month to do other stuff. But it's like when we're jumping into this piece or even the same thing with like cars. It's like, oh, like I need the new Beamer and this, that, and the third. Like, bro, like unless you're buying exotic cars, the way that like depreciation happened with cars is accelerated in the first four years. Second, you drive that thing off the lot. Gone. Mm. And you don't even understand what you're doing from a tax standpoint. It's not like, oh, like, I'm trying to do Section 179 so that I can fully depreciate an asset in year one and get me a, a Range Rover or X5 or X6. You're just buying a car because you want to flex, but you're poor. <laughs> Yo, that's, it, you know that's what, you know what's yeah. interesting that you brought up? Yep. You brought up the fact that, you know, you have an, an African upbringing or more specifically a people's West a Kenyan, right? Yep. So the thing about it is the African upbringing, the mindset, the family structure is different from the African-American. Yeah. It's very different. And, you know, even when you consider the uh, woman that, you know, you typically would be interested in, yeah. right? We talk about, you gave me some uh, some qualities, but I'm curious to know just from an aspect of just the role that you want her to play in your life. Yeah. Uh, would you be looking for like more of a traditional woman who's going to be doing some, you know, home management, you know, <laughs> raising the kids, you know, cooking, cleaning, so a, a, a much more old-fashioned traditional woman or a more modern woman who's going to be running businesses and moving um, and operating at the same capacity that you are. And I've dated people that have wanted to do both. I've dated people where they were like, they don't want to do anything but have my kids and sit down. Mm. And then I've dated people that are just like, let's be bosses together. Right. Or they're like, well, you know, like, I don't want to take away from what I have going on to, like, follow you. Mm. They sound like they already got a man. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Who's going to lead, right? The, they job. That's what it sounds I mean, I've met a, tons of women who, yeah. who say the same thing. And it's like, yo, CNN is your boss. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Or is your man. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm. Ta- yeah. Target is your man. You know, Macy's is your man. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, that just scares the fuck out of me right there. I, I mean, me personally, that's, shit, that, yeah. that, that's not really. You, you said it. We need harmony. Yeah, synergy. We need synergy. Yeah. That that doesn't sound synergetic to me, but nope. I want to hear some somebody from a more traditional African family. Is is the, is there, uh, you know, a, a typical person that you target? 
you know, one of the crazy things is, like, my mom is, like, not a traditional African woman. She's, mm. like, one of the most badass people that, like, I know in general. And very, mm. like, in a lot of African cultures, women are a lot less spoken, you know, et cetera. But my mom is just be, she'll say what she needs to say. And she's also, like, a dynamic public speaker and, like, does a hell of a lot of stuff in the community. So, mm. like, one of the businesses I have, I have a nonprofit, right? When I keep kids in school, primarily in Africa, I do scholarships for, like, kids that are here, too. So, would you, would you got, like, 20 businesses. <laughs> Something like that. Dude is fucking rich. <laughs> and so uh, my mom uh, has been doing that kind of work for the longest. I've seen my mom raise $30,000 through a WhatsApp text message thread to pay for people's funeral and put money in the kids' pockets because their parents died. Mm. That's kind of stuff that I watched growing up. Mm. Like living, living with a real-life superhero. Correct. And so mm. I literally got to see, like, a different angle of, like, what is the traditional, like, you know, African woman, because like I've also seen like one of my uncles is a polygamist, so he has a handful of wives scattered across the globe. He has an international. He, li- he lives in the states. Uh, sometimes. Okay. <laughs> Yo, we need to get this. We need to listen. Uh, we, different we, we kind of phone number. We can get his ass on the show too. <laughs> but, but go ahead. So yeah. I've seen both aspects of stuff. My parents have been happily married monogamously for like thirty something years, and seeing both aspects of like how stuff can like go one way or another. I think more so, I'm still figuring out what that person looks like, but more than anything, it's going to have to come down to synergy. Because whether you're someone that like wants to get behind a lot of the stuff that I'm doing or you're someone that's like doing your own thing, do we have synergy together? Mm. And do you feel like it is like me fighting for, because you feel like what you're doing is more important than like what I'm doing, mm. rather than can we create a shared vision? If we can't create a shared vision and you feel like it's competition because you're focusing on doing X, Y, and Z, but like my end goes like, in most cases, unfortunately, you know, we lap circles like finances, financially. Right, right. So it's like... Really, is what we're working on the same thing. If I'm like, I'm working to make sure that we have hundreds of thousand dollars coming in on a regular basis, so you can sit your behind at home, I can sit my behind at home, and we can take care of our kids. Versus like, oh, because what I'm doing, I think is just as important. But it's like, all right, if I am not working or I give up the different businesses stuff I have going on, can we live the same lifestyle? Mm. That makes a lot of sense. I hear a lot of um, you know, because we, we work with young guys and the young guys. They, now I hear from a lot of young guys that they want a woman who's making this have a who have reached uh, who has reached a certain income threshold. Mm. So income wise, you know, not talking about vision, you know, not talking about just long term things that they want to do, but income wise, their income threshold. I don't care. I'm <laughs> I, I, I don't care. Like, I'm yeah. fighting. I literally do everything in my life so that I don't have to have that as a metric for you. Mm. And there's so much more. That's why I was like, the passion is way more important than the income. Like, I don't care because if you start having my kids and I want you to be at home, that income is gone anyways. Mm. So mm. who cares? Like, I, I want you to do stuff that you enjoy, but, like, I'm not pressing about, like, oh, you need to make 300, 400K a year. The amount of people that can even make that kind of income is so Minuscule. That's what I real. That's what I, uh, realism is kicking in at. Yeah, no, nah, for sure. And it's like you know, hypergamy is real too. So like most like women date across and up social dominance hierarchies, and men date across and down. So as men rise up, you have nothing but more options. As women rise up, they have very smaller options, and also a lot of the things that get them to those points negate them. The guys that are in the same space, they don't want that. They don't want it because they're like, oh, you're combative, and yes. like you feel like you need to be a boss and all this other stuff, and like you telling you, me what to do. Right, and, and, and I love you, and, you know, I think you might be great, et cetera, for somebody else, but you probably need a Robin. It's crazy. You don't need a Batman. I actually had a woman, I actually had a woman tell me, she says, she says, literally, she says, I got a good job, I make very, very good money, and she says, the only thing I need now is a man. 
It's like, yo, like, <laughs> it's like, who wants you? Who wants you? you you're right. right. Like, once you have achieved these things, you have unfortunately disqualified yourself. Ooh, and, and, shit. And what it is, is these, because I, and this is the thing, I'm not blaming Ooh, the, the women. The women are going to hate him for that shit thing. No, no, see, the they thing are going to hate him for that. They, they I can't wait to put this shit out. They should love he me for that it, shit. He said it, ladies. They should love me for this shit because the women, I don't think they understand that. And and I don't blame the women for that. I blame these weak-ass Negroes out here. Fair. Like, because these women, they don't want to wait. You got this social media phenomenon, and they see this lifestyle. They don't want to wait to find you to build the lifestyle that they want. So they Correct. go out and build it themselves. And mm-hmm. when they build it themselves, it's like, yo. What I need you for? What? And see, it's, it's, it's some of that, and it's also upbringing as well, because yeah. it's, it's, it's a generational thing that's happening. Like, right now, we're experiencing the generational wrath of what has happened prior, like, is what we're seeing. Because in these households, these women are being taught to prioritize their education. They're being taught to prioritize their job and their work. They've had to. They're I'm being just, taught. I'm throwing that out there, that they've had to, especially women that look like us. Primarily because, like, they are the least protected in the United States. Which makes sense. And they, they have, so what has happened is women have fallen out of trust with the masculine. And because they have fallen out of trust with the masculine, they have become the fucking masculine. Yep. Yep. And that is the biggest problem now. And that's why, you know, a lot of these guys, I mean, this is going to be really controversial, but I just spoke to a, a brother that was talking about a guy that he knew that's in the league. And this guy that's in the league, he made the statement. And this is, oh, man, it kind of hurt me. He said, I would never date another black woman again. Mm. That's what he said. He said, because these white women, they were groomed to be submissive. They were groomed to be feminine. And they were groomed to be this way to their man. Now, here's the thing. White men actually, you know, experiencing some of this bullshit, too, because their women are also becoming very masculine and feminist and falling out of trust with their masculine. Mm -hmm. But they still have preserved. Not so much. They still have preserved this level of femininity and submissiveness in some women, where now a lot of the men are targeting those women specifically to have this type of household that they want to have. And it, it sucks because me, too, I've also I have this um one young lady, um, in my in my life she's um. So I have like she's a fucking Pokemon. She's <laughs> got this one young lady. Gotta catch them all. This is a fucking this is a holographic Pokemon because she's one of the most fucking successful people I know in general. Awesome. To be honest, yeah. and you know. She actually, so funny situation, a good example. This is my first time ever dealing with a woman of of this economic stature before, right? Okay. You're talking about like 300K plus? Oh, that's fair to say. Plus, plus. Plus, 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 plus. So the thing about it is when I'm considering, right? She got more businesses than you, Phil. She will buy your ass. She might so, be in that Porsche club, which you ain't even She might own that motherfucker. Now, here's the deal. I I was I was never intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew the leverage I had as a as a young you know beast. You know, so I I, I put I, the Slayer thing on. Slayer, young I knew, Slayer. I, I, knew, <laughs> I knew the leverage I had in the relationships. So I, I was never really intimidated. I was yeah. never you know coming with any of that weak ass energy. Mm-hmm. And she actually offered to you know go out of the country and you know kind of cover costs and just take me out of the country for my birthday. Ah, very nice. I've had one of those. We go out of the country. <laughs> Slayer. We go out of the country, uh-huh. and there's this moment where I'm handling emails. I'm on the phone, and I could tell, like, you know, her energy just gets off, and her energy just kind of just, you know, she kind of storms off, goes to the bathroom, whatever the case is. And, mm-hmm. you know, one thing, fellas, you got to do when you sense that energy's off, address that shit. Exactly. Right? Which is what I did. Address I addressed it. All undesirable behaviors. And I asked, you know, like, you know, like, what's the situation? You know, what, what's, what's going on with you? 
And she was like, the first thing she said, she said, you know, listen, I went ahead and I spent money to be on this trip and to bring you out here. And I just feel like you just on your phone and you're not paying attention. So now here's the thing. Now, as soon as that happened, (laughs) I just wanted to take out my debit card and just smack the shit out of her. (laughs) Because first of all, the thing about it is I didn't need any of that shit. Right. I didn't need it. It's a gift. But see, what what it reminded me of was when, you know, when your mom walk in the house and there's a bunch of lights on and your mom is like, turn the fucking lights off around here. You don't pay no fucking bills. Yep. Right, it's like she pulled that that trump card, like she pulled her dick out and put it on the table on me, and that shit just was very demasculating to me at that moment. Mm. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking in my mind, I would never fucking do this again. Like I right. literally, at that moment, I made my mind up and I said, I will never in my life put myself in this position to be to have a woman tell me that or have that leverage over me. Mm. And I understood at that moment why men especially of means choose not to ever put themselves in that position because that completely changes even the conversation yep. even when shit like that arises it just brings if, up if, problems that you shouldn't even have to deal with it just brings it's, it's unnecessary fucking problems in the relationship that exists yeah. that's why when i'm asking you I'm asking what kind of, I mean, he gave this politically fucking correct. You know, it really just depends on whether or not she would have a like, you know, you know, he gave that, he he gave that, 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 you know, that politically correct shit. He still struggles some of that old pussy. So, you know, he don't want to reveal too much secrets. Right. Which I get, but man, you know, that's, that's a real thing that we're going to be talking about. I like you, you brought up hypergamy. I want to do a whole fucking episode on hypergamy. I would agree. Because that's a real thing we need to talk about. Yeah, but I think that a lot of the things, uh, as far as understanding that balance of sexuality, because not that you can't afford to take yourself, you decide to do this as a treat. Because mm-hmm. when you go out on a trip or like you do whatever, like ah, I've definitely gone on trips, taking women out on trips, etc. I mean, I'm also in travel hacking, so I can do it for remarkably less than what other people can in a lot of cases. Mm. But it's still like, yo, like I'm investing this money, I'm spending this money, depending on you know the individual, the situation. whatever, and the situation. But I, I don't have to point that out or do whatever. Because, like, if you, if you carry yourself like that, it just shows me what I need to know. And that's it. I mean, that's the same way that I feel about, like, dinner and other stuff. Like, I'm going to go to eat there because I want to eat there. But I'm going to learn what I need to learn while I'm there because I'm going to be very intentional with the questions that I ask and, like, conversations that I have. So I see how you move, how you think, et cetera. And I just move accordingly. Like, I would have spent that money anyways. So... <laughs> Let me tell you, Phil, you dropping some some game, man. Like, I, knew, I knew you was going to drop some game, but I don't know if I knew you was tapped in, though. You no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, that, no that, that's real, man. And, and let me tell you, we, we actually met our quota here on this episode, and this was this was phenomenal, man. Wait, we had an hour? Yo, we are at an hour, man. We got to extend this fucking episode. Crazy. <laughs> it's way too quick, it's, man. It's, it's really that crazy. Was way too quick. It's really crazy. But here's what I want to do, though, okay. b- because I'm sure after this episode, man, uh, first of all, I want people to know this man is a resource. He's a resource of, of knowledge. He's a resource of education. You got a lot of good resources also that you can potentially offer the people. I want you to go ahead and pub and let them know what you got to offer so they can be able to have it. No, for sure. Um, follow me on TikTok, Finance with Phil. Find me on IG, Philip, P-H-I-L-L-I-P dot K-A-R-A-Y-A. I have an online community where you can go and ask questions about whatever it is, whether it's tourist stuff, Airbnb, real estate development, raising capital, nonprofit stuff, professor stuff, school stuff, 
Yeah, I got a lot of different stuff I can talk about. I and was checking out your, uh, your your digital product. I know you just dropped that on personal finance. Oh yeah, that one that one, that one looks cool. We get, first off, we need to first. Off, I'm not even gonna pub that shit because we need affiliate link. No, no, honestly, <laughs> it will be by the time you watch this video. It's hot, though. It's hot, we're though. gonna have that course will be in the description. So go ahead and go into the bottom of this video in the description. We're gonna have a link to Philip's course. It's a dope ass course too, by the way. So, so we got that on there. Then we also uh, dropped the NFT as well. So this will be timestamp for a little bit later. So yo, you the first guest who's dropped the. <laughs> Fucking NFT. <laughs> That's lit. So it's about lit. utility. So one of the things, because uh, one of the things I do is I work with the tech company that I sit on the board for and have some ownership into as well. And when I was in Miami for a work conference uh, two weeks ago, et cetera, was looking at some of the different stuff in the space. And a lot of it comes down to utility. So outside of like it being the image, people buy the NFT, they get a couple months of membership mm. to my private group as well. So it's like, ah, oh, like it's a two for one. Like it's a cool image, but also like you get real life access to like, all right, if you got questions, like I go on there like weekly, have calls, ask whatever you want directly. And I'm willing to help you. Like my whole thing is like getting someone in and out from start to finish in three months. Because mm. if you're intentional about like what you want and you know what you want, you just need the guy that'll help you get there. And it's like uh, one of my favorite books, check it out. Third circle theory talks about like three circles that like people kind of end up in life. And I'm not going to go through the entire thing, but once you get to the end of the second circle, not only have you gotten to a point of understanding yourself, you now understand other people. And you become one of two things. You become a master helper or a master manipulator. Mm. Because you're sound in what Damn. you want. <laughs> Damn. Super sound in what you want. And now you can read other people and understand what they want. You can you know, choose the screw them over. That's why multi-level marketing companies go stupid. And you know because, Oh, right. Because they'd be like, oh, like, you can have the life of your dreams in a handful of months for X, Y, and Z. Like, nah, they're blowing smoke up your ass and... You're going to stay poor. Like, unfortunately, like, <laughs> ask someone to, like, open up and show their bank account statements for, like, the past 12 months. And you really see, like, how they move. Mm. If they, people aren't willing to open up their books Oof. to show you and prove some stuff to you. They bullshitting. Oh, yeah. Easy. Because you can't fake the numbers. You can't fake that. You can't fake when they log into Chase or Bank of America or whatever to yeah. show, like, all right, this is, what, this is income, expenses. Like, you can't do anything about that. But you can easily post a Maserati or a Porsche or, you know, a McLaren, yeah. whatever else. But it's like, you can't fake the numbers. You can't fake this fucking game that you just dropped on these folks today. Man. That, was, <laughs> that was raw. <laughs> Women lie, men lie, numbers don't fucking lie. And today, we have Philip Karaya on the Man, listen, y'all better have went ahead and logged down his contact information. Get in contact with this brother here. This is one of my good friends. I appreciate you again for joining us here yeah. on this episode of Harley Initiated. Please, guys, continue to like, comment, subscribe. Help us grow to our first thousand subscribers here on the channel. Woo. But other than that, we are out. Peace.